Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to who? To who? Okay, I won't say it a third time because that'll be like too repetitive, but I am emphasizing that this morning because of what we're about to study, read, and look at. Okay? We are a community that compel ourselves to Christ and we compel others to Christ. Amen? Now, we do it in very rigid, pharisaical ways, correct? No. We do it in casual ways that welcome how many? All to worship. Uh, We're all His creation. Praise be to Him that He designed each and every one of us the way He did. Now, I have some questions about how he designed me, but that's between him and I. We'll answer those when I get to heaven, right? But we want to make sure that we project clearly to all the world. You're his. You have an opportunity to know him and worship him. Amen? All right. Um, And then we are a community. We're being a community that serves the greater community. And that's why we do things like Mexico and children's ministry and all the other things that we do as a group, small groups, Bible studies, the whole thing. So uh, good to have you. Today I have an opportunity for you to serve the community a little bit. Today after second service, 1230, I need eight muscles. Uh, I don't care what gender you are. For this activity but we're gonna lift the tent that needs the canvas repaired and take the legs off and set it down on the ground and fix the canvas and then we're gonna lift the tent back up in the air and put the legs on so um, if you're available you're around your first service I know you you're type a you're driven you come to church and then once you're out of here the rest of your day takes off I get it don't worry I'll put the big push on second service because they're already here okay but if, uh, if that's any kind of interesting to you or you have half an hour to come and flex the muscles a little bit, we would love for the help on that. All right? You ready? All right, let's pray, and then we'll jump into uh, Romans chapter 10. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what we get to sing and for the depths of the truth of what we sang beyond what we even understand or have yet to experience but we thank you for the mystery of your grace and love and what we have experienced so far may that be important enough to us that we remember it and then lord that we project it communicate it to others that they might see you we thank you for the stories lord that we're going to look at this morning and learn from i pray that They'd be truth to us and inspire us. And more importantly, Lord, that it would then call us to action to see what we're willing to do about it. So may our time be honoring of you in the name of your Son. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 10. We're starting verse 14. We're kind of mid-chapter. Kind of mid-chapter. A little over mid-chapter in this chapter. section and paul's been talking about this uh, concept of uh salvation's available to all uh whether you are originally part of the jewish nation or not it doesn't matter um i'll give you the short version if you're breathing 
or ever have breathed, you can get in. And he started talking about the, the salvation and our uh, faith is not a faith of circumcision or DNA or generational, you know, I'm in this, this lineage. It's a, a grace by faith. We're believers, and that's what we gets us into the promise. In fact, he even uses the, the phrase last section, we're children of the promise. Children of, I would say, covenant. Great word we see in the Bible. Um, which is uh, wonderful, great news. This morning, um, we're going to look at uh, what does that mean um, and how do you do it? Uh, we, we've been looking at a few things the last couple weeks. Actually, in uh, chapter 9, when we got started, we started looking at why has why He made you like this? And then recognizing who you are, the second sermon after that. Uh, today we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, look at your outline at the top. It says Romans chapter ten verses fourteen through twenty one, and then it says, "Know your function. Why do he make you like that? Know who you are, and then today, what do you do? I need a job. I need something to do. <laughs> okay, because I'm just I'm just that guy. I mean, tell me what Jesus did and on the cross, and what does it mean and what did it cost and all that stuff and does it do to my value and I love all that stuff and I feel great and warm inside. I got some great devotionals now for the next few weeks. But after a while I run out of like, okay, but yeah, but what's next? All right, that was the first shelf, the bottom shelf, the low hanging fruit. Like I want to get to the good fruit that's higher up that other people don't get to that's been on the tree longer and it's thicker and juicier and I want the good stuff. You want the good stuff? Yes. All right. Sign me up, Scott. Okay, here we go. We're signing up this morning. And uh, Paul is going to say this in verse 14. He's talking about uh, the very last sentence. Verse 13 was, For all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? All. All you got to do is call on them. Right? And then he says, with uh, he's going to go into some logic here. It's a long string of linear logic. Let's Let's try to follow along. All right? How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How do they call on somebody they don't believe in yet? If you don't believe in somebody, you're not going to call them. Right? Most of your dads, I think technically, you know, there's only one dad in this room other than mine that I've called. I've called Fernando's dad before. I don't call any of your dads. Why not? I got a dad. I call him. If I need something, I call him, right? We don't call on people that we don't have relationship, don't know, don't understand, don't believe in. And how are they going to call? How is a person going to call who doesn't know God? Why would he call God? Now, is that a real question? Or is it, is it a Socratic question? What's the implied answer? Someone who doesn't believe, are they going to call God? They're not going to call God. So he's making the argument. This ain't going to happen. If we just leave it as to who believes, well, not all believe, so a bunch won't call on God. And how are they to believe? Oh, here's what we got to do. If they're not going to call because they don't believe, then let's get them to believe, and then they'll call. This is a great little math equation, right? Today's going to feel like a, a little math equation, a variable, 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 and then a good answer. 
I, I know for some of you, math is traumatic. We're going to change your thinking on it. Okay? Because all of life is based on math. Uh, how are they to believe in Him who they have never heard? See, the problem is they don't believe because they haven't. What's that last word? Starts with H and lands, rhymes with erd. They, they got to hear it. And how are they to hear it without someone? What? Oh, did you see the progression? They don't believe, or they don't call because they don't believe. They don't believe because they've never heard. And they've never heard because no one told me. Right? You ever shown up at something and they're like, how come you're late? Or why didn't you bring such and such? Or where's your costume? And you're like, no one told me. Are there some no one told me's out there when it comes to faith? God, the understanding of our Creator, the salvation of our Lord and Savior. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's a tragic phrase that I'd like you to stop using as much as possible. Choose an alternative. But we call the world lost. They're all lost out there. We're, we're not going to say that anymore, mostly. We're just going to call them the yet to believe or the pre-Christians or something like that. Give them a better title than they're lost right but why would you use that i mean logically you understand why some might say lost because what does it mean they never heard you never know they're going about and following whatever teachers told them parents told them what they saw their buddies get away with and it worked for them so i think i'll try it and that feels good so i'll do that and this is cheaper so i'll do that and where do all those paths lead the way that seems right to a man and its end leads to destruction. Because life without God in the equation, you know what comes after the equal signs? What comes after? Without God, you get a big zero, right? And so we need somebody to preach so that they can hear, so that they can believe, so that they can then call on them. Is that a fun little progression? Man, that's like a whole sermon right there, isn't it? All right, let's pray and let's uh, go to lunch. We're done. Uh, verse 15, And how are they to preach unless they're sent? Who does the sending? We're at church. I asked the question. Odds are. The answer is God, right? God sends them. Then they preach. Then people hear. Then they believe. Then they call them. How are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, and now this is a, a semi-famous verse that some of you, if you've been church for years or so you probably have heard this one before how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news some other translations uh, say those who bring the good news right what's paul saying is important what do you feel like he's saying starting to say is important somebody's used the word twice now starts with p rhymes with peach <laughs> right there's something about preaching. And it's good news, isn't it? You know where churches go? You know, half, not half. There's two choices a church can make. Go happy, good news, or what's the other one? Bummer Sunday, right? Hellfire and brimstone, we're all going to die. You need the blood of Jesus to save your wicked soul because you're a wretched wretch, right? Which I think is a great phrase, wretched wretch. Not really. And churches miss what they're supposed to be talking about. 
The devil's going to get you. Demons are after you. You're so wicked that you can't do anything good. No wonder you're in a mess because you're terrible. Is that the message? What's the word in front of news? Which I mean, that's the easiest thing to know. You're going to start a church, run a church, be in a church, serve a church, support a church, tithe to a church. Is there anything else we can put in there in church? Attend a church. It should be good. I have a verse. We should talk about Happy Sunday, which is why we joke, no matter how bad the news gets, there's always better news that's bigger. All right? Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Uh-oh. Sounds like some have heard the gospel and they've not obeyed it. For Isaiah says, Lord, who's he talking to? He's talking to God. This Isaiah, I believe it's um, chapter 52. This passage is a little tough. He quotes Isaiah four times, four different chapters, four different places. You can trust me on that. I looked them all up. You don't have to, but it would be a good exercise. You could do that too. Um, Lord, who has what? Believed what he has heard. Dang it. Mm. Now I have a problem. Apparently you could hear and not believe. Uh-oh. This is what I love. My uh, daughter is off to college. It is a Christian school. Amen. She's taking a Bible class. Okay. And she's cheating. No, this is recorded. It's an official record now. My daughter is cheating in her Bible class at a Christian school, which I think is wrong, fundamentally. Well, how is she cheating, Scott? <laughs> she has a primary source of information. She can call dad, the pastor, and ask him questions. So do babies sin and what's this mean and what's that word and all this. So uh, I'm having all of a sudden these great conversations with my daughter and she's not really cheating. That was just a way to introduce the idea that she's calling me. Um, and I love having these conversations about God with my daughter. And she asked the other day, you know, what's this predestination thing and what do you think about it? And da, da, da. But then there's free will. And I introduced her to a couple little concepts. Is God in control of all things, and does he order them? Yeah, he does. But do we have choice? Yes. Well, how's that work? I don't know. Let's call the I don't know compatibilism. This thing that's not supposed to mix with anything else, and this other thing that's not supposed to mix with anything else, somehow they are compatible, and they mix. I want to give you an example right now. If you can hear and not believe, that means you had a choice. And if you can hear and then you can believe, you also had a choice. Well, which one did God predestine for you? That's a joke, sarcastic question. Don't answer that one. Okay. What does he want for you? That's an easy one. What's he want for you? He wants you to believe he wishes that none would perish. Okay? But some have heard and they don't believe. 
Who's believed Him? God, tell me who's been ordained in. Because I see some choose the opposite. And so he comes to a conclusion. If these are all true, the progression, and yet people have choice within it. Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. But I ask you, have they not heard? Oh, I know the problem. Maybe they just haven't heard it yet. Indeed they have, he argues. Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Does God give everybody a chance to hear? According to Paul. Now, functionally, in a practical, experiential matter, we might question, how does that work? And I want to remind you, you can't even explain to me how predestination and free will work, so don't try to explain to me how it is that God makes sure everybody else hears. You can't explain love to me. I mean, you can loosely, but what generates it? Where does it come? Like, why do certain people pick certain people? And you, you can't explain that. Why are some people more fearful? There's so many things you can't explain. Sometimes you've got to take stuff from the Bible and from Scripture and say, hmm, maybe it's true, and I'm the one that's lacking information or lacking knowledge, lacking the idea of how it fits together. You know, pretty much every time I've taken that approach, it's worked out well. God says, don't pursue this. You're getting in trouble. I say, well, that doesn't make sense. I don't care if it makes sense. Just don't do it. Okay, and I do fairly well. Hey, go to church. Get around other people that do. Do it regularly. Uh, believe in God. Learn how to pray. Serve other people. Love your neighbor. Blah, blah, blah. Do that. Uh, it does, doesn't make any sense because if, if I got a job pouring Slurpees every Sunday morning, I, I can make a little money. It's like, yeah, I know you don't, you don't need to understand it. Even if you had the greatest job, if it kept you from life and from me, it's not going to work out the way you want it to work out. I found those things to generally be true. Um, their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. So what's being said? Have they heard? Yeah. What Paul has just done is he's eliminated an excuse. Oh, well, they never had a chance to hear. Or I heard it too late. Eh. Nope. Not today. You don't get to use that answer. Not today, not ever. Because you know the truth. Right? God, make sure that we have an opportunity to know the truth because all have heard. Verse 19, but I ask, did Israel not understand? Well, maybe they heard it. But it was really confusing, and they didn't know how to choose yes or no, so they just squandered in their ambivalence. That's a big word for not caring or not knowing what to do or just feeling helpless. Maybe they just couldn't understand it. God's so complicated, right? What is the Lord's will? How does predestination work? All oh, it's so complicated. Well, I could never make sense of it. I mean, the Bible even calls it the mystery of the gospel so how could i ever understand so i'm off the hook i need not decide because it's too complicated for me and i'm just just a humble guy from california and i know very little i mean it's a surprise that my kids even survived as long as they have i mean because what am i doing when i do that 
I'm making excuses. Paul's saying, let me eliminate another one of your excuses. One, yeah, everybody's heard enough to know what they need to make the right decision and follow God. Here's another one. You know, no one can say they don't understand or that it's too complicated or they're not smart enough. Have you ever met anybody who's not smart enough? Say no. Because God, no matter how dumb you are, can give you a shot. Praise the Lord. I'm an example. I shouldn't be here. I mean, I am a numbskull, but I was a numbskull. That's an older phrase for moron, idiot. I did dumb stuff. I went to public school, got in trouble, and did all kinds of things. It is yet but by the grace of God that he got my attention and put me on a track where maybe I should listen to my mom, maybe I should listen to my dad, and maybe I should go to church and take this stuff seriously rather than just going because there's donuts. Maybe I could get more out of this. And I started experimenting with some of this stuff. Yes, I'm a closet scientist. And it started working. There's a shot for me. There's a shot for them, no matter who they are. Amen? Which is great news for you, because you're already ahead of me. All right, let's uh, move on from the goofiness. First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Foolish. Weren't we just talking about foolish? I was kind of talking about myself. I didn't use the word, but right? And what does he say? I like foolish nations. I like foolish people. I can reach foolish people. I can save them, make sense of it for them. I can draw them in, provide for them. I can be gracious to them, show them love to where they can have a great experience with God. Amen? but apparently other people have a choice and they choose not to, to choose that. And so the foolish people get stuff from God and great relationship when other people miss out. Why? Because he predestined them to damnation? No, because they had a, would you call it earlier? They had a choice and they said no. And so he says, well, how else can I get your attention? Why don't I have an amazing experience with all these people over here and then you guys will finally figure out that you want to have that kind of experience and you'll get jealous of their experience with God and then you'll come over and make that same choice. I might have gotten those backwards, by the way. It might have been they were on track and you guys are lost. Oh wait, we weren't going to use that word anymore. What's the jealousy about? What are they jealous of? We're at church. Ask the question. They're jealous of God. It's manifest in them, the people that chose God, but they're jealous of that God experience. Put your guards up because I'm going to come with the roundhouse right now. Ready? Put them up. I want to see some of you. All right. How many people are jealous of God when they watch you? Oh, that one hurt. Do people think about God in an attractive way from being around you and the stuff you do? Well, they should know that I'm a Christian and that um, I have accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior. His death on the cross has paid for me and covered my sin. and That should be enough. Okay? But what do they see? Can they read your mind? No. Can they know your intentions? Never. 
what can they see you do? They can see you when you're praying. Like when you go like this, and like, what are you doing? The food's here. It's hot. You should be eating. You bound. Are you going to sleep? Are you about to sleep on your food? No, I'm. I'm saying a prayer. What just happened there? It's a witness. And you introduce someone into a mystery that they might explore. You ever had Japanese food? You ever had Japanese food? I don't mean like beef teriyaki. You know, the cooked stuff with sauce on it that we've kind of Americanized a little bit. I mean the sushi or the sashimi or the, you know, a little bit out there. Texture's different. It's cold. It's mushy. Blah, blah, blah. Have you ever had it? Raise your hands. Come on. This is really a little fun. If you haven't had it, it's totally fine. Those of you that had it, the first time you had it, why'd you have it? My wife. <laughs> yes. Praise the Lord. Someone else introduced you to sushi. This is why sushi is like God. It must be introduced. Right? But once you start it, all of a sudden there's sauces and you can put avocado with it. And then it's like, <gasps> who's going to sushi for lunch today with me? Right? Yeah. I'm, let's go. Right? Um, and we can do analogies like that because he likes the foolish. There we go, right? Verse 20. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, he starts with that first one about jealousy. Then he goes for the jugular. He goes really after it. I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Is Isaiah talking about Isaiah? Say no. Is Isaiah quoting God? Absolutely. What he says, there are people that will not seek him. They won't even seek him, and he will go get them. Praise the Lord. I think that's me. I think I'm in that camp. I wanted nothing to do with church. I raged at my parents when they would drag me kindergarten through middle school. No reason for me to be attracted or want to do this at all. God and I had a contest. Who won? There's other people that have no interest and then they see something or whatever and God drags them in. Ushers them in. How about not drags? How about ushers them in? Right? Invites them. A little freely invitation or gold around the trim. Um, it can be a good experience, yeah? It can be. We don't even seek God and He shows up and blesses your life and you have no explanation for it. And therefore, you're having trouble giving credit. When something amazing... Have you had that relationship experience with God where something so amazing happens that has zero excuse or definition and the only thing you can attribute it to or give credit for or blame for this great thing that has happened... Give him credit is God. Sometimes it's timing that something happens. You lose a job and you're crushed, and all of a sudden this job offer comes in. And you're like, wait a minute, how did those happen so close together? I could never have orchestrated that. Correct, you didn't. But it must have been orchestrated because the timing was so great. 
Who orchestrated that? God. There are certain things you can't explain. When you pray for two boys and then a girl, and you get two boys and then a girl, someone orchestrated that. That's my wife and I, our experience. I was told that you're not allowed to pray for that, that it's sacrilegious and it's disrespectful of God. I decided to ignore those people. And guess what I got? I got two boys and a girl. I hope people see that and the mystery of it and go, maybe I need to start asking some new questions. Right? Because I will show myself to those who don't even ask for me. Whoa. That's awesome. Because if I hear and then I start to understand because everybody gets a chance to understand and I have a choice. I can choose good or I can choose bad. Sometimes I could even choose bad and God will reach over and grab me out of the bad camp and bring me over into the good camp. I wasn't seeking him, but he'll show himself to him. Why would God show himself to somebody? He wants to beat him up. Come here, Scotty. I need to smack you. Right? Is that why he shows up? No. God's more like, hey, hey, look over here. Hey, come here. Come here. Right? Three amigos. Right? One guy's trying to get the attention of the other guy, and he's, he keeps yelling at him, hey, you, over there. Look up here. Look up here. Look up here. He doesn't want other people to hear it, but he's trying to get their attention. You know, God's doing that with you. He's looking down at you, some of you, and you're off running and doing your thing, whatever. And he's like, hey, hey, come here. Listen. Stop that. Turn around. I got a present for you. Several presents for you. Are you listening? Hello? McFly? Oh, no, we're going into too many movie references now. Right? But of Israel, he says, verse 2020, Israel, of Israel. Okay, who are they again? God's people, God's chosen people, the people of the covenant. They're the first ones. They're the sons of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and blah, blah, blah. And Moses saved them and David led them. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a what? Disobedient and contrary people. I have been trying to get those who are running the other way and those who are even absolutely defiant. Whoa. Well, now it kind of makes sense when Scott says he wants to save all of them. Right? I wait, I know I put a ton of emphasis on this, the the small words in the Bible, each, every, all. That makes sense. He wants the foolish ones. He wants the contrary ones. He wants the disobedient ones. He wants the ones that don't listen or choose poorly. <laughs> Who does he want? It's a really simple. All. Why does he want them? Because he loves them. Sent his son to the cross for them. And then he sits there and scratches his head. Oh, well, 
Guess we got to go to plan B. They don't have their attention. Oh, plan B didn't work. Let's try plan C. Hey, what about Berglund? He's down on plan S. <laughs> We're running out of letters. I think at that point, the angels are like, yeah, we'll start doubling up the letters. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. <clears throat> That's the end of chapter 10. And I want us to see some things from this that I, I think are just poignant. Just, do you know your function? Your function is to promote God. Your function is to preach about God, to, that you live out the good news. in such a way that it draws other people in. It's what Paul's been talking about for two chapters. It's what God's been doing for every generation. Hey, I'm going to bring manna out of the sky and make it appear on the ground, and you'll have no way of explaining it. Why did he do that? Because they were hungry to get their attention. I'm going to take this massive body of water. I'm going to split it right down the middle and let you walk through real dry. Why? Because you didn't bring your swimsuit and you don't have a surfboard? No, because I want your attention and you won't be able to explain it unless somebody says, who did that? And you're at church and you can say, must have been God. It was too big for any of the rest of us. Amen? We got to know what our function is. But look at this verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us the gospel is ordained, predestined, amen? But not all have believed you have choice. I want to give you some choices this morning. The first one's a mental shift, right? I can't crack open your head and insert a needle and inject this in there. This is a personal thing you're going to have to do with your own thinking, right? But give us the um, first fill-in lovely tech booth capacity never outranks listening capacity never outranks listening what's your capacity that's um how much i can hold scott are you talking about i had three helpings of pizza last night is that the capacity you're talking about no israel thought if they did really well at certain things, they would earn favor. And so they thought doing really well, having great capacity, mental capacity, emotional capacity, building capacity, all these, they thought that's what was going to get them favor with God or get them to heaven or bring blessing to them. And through this whole section, uh, Paul and Isaiah and God are, have been talking about the idea of listening. Yeah, you're super smart, but are you listening? Because I love the fools. And I, I, I draft fools. I invite them to dinner. So your intelligence, yeah, that's cute. Your degrees, your title, your job, your pay scale. Whatever. I, I don't care that you paid more in taxes this year than Scott made in the whole year. I don't care. What I care about is, are you listening to him when he does things and there's people out there to reach? Are you in that progression? Do you remember the progression? 
How will they call on him if they've not believed because they haven't heard because no one preached the gospel because no one was sent? Are you listening for any of those things that you could be doing? As we start to think, well, you know, if I dress really nice, I might get the job. Okay. Most jobs, they're going to care if you're listening as to what the company's trying to do rather than when your hair looks nice when you walk in. And most companies, if you were two minutes late every single day, but you were listening to what they wanted and you were killing it in what they were producing, providing, or whatever, they're going to care about the two minutes? Probably not. You could show up 15 minutes early every day and stay 15 minutes late every day and work extra and not be listening and they'll hand you a box. Oh, is this a gift? Kind of. It's a gift of freedom. Please put all of your things in this box and walk to the car and don't ever come back. You don't listen. You've proved to us you don't want to work here anymore. And so we would like to give you your freedom to go find a job that you do want to work at. Man, that sounds like God. Oh, you don't want to listen. Oh, okay. Going to have to send a flood. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to send a massive fish. Locusts. If you don't listen, you get in a context, contest with God, Right? Who wins every time he's undefeated, right? We have to get a mental shift going in our head that how good I am, what my attendance record is, how much I did of this or that or the other, or how little I did of this or how little I did of that. Neither one of those are excuses and they have no value next to listening. Because God can take him who has nothing and make him amazing. Right? I mean, he could take the second born and turn him into something, couldn't he? He'd take somebody who's kicked out and has nothing and say, yeah, you don't even have a husband and you have this kid and you can't even take care of him, but I'm going to make him a massive nation. Can God do that? More importantly, God does do that, right? We've got to figure out how we can diminish our capacity. Wait, am I supposed to do stuff poorly now, Scott? No, you're supposed to be as awesome as you were before, but recognize that's something different than what gives you value. What gives you value is when you listen. Listen to who, Scott? Can you answer that question for them? Listen to God. What's he want from me, right? Good question. Glad you asked. That'll help us transition into the next section. Ready? The gospel is not earned, but it rhymes with earned. Starts with L. There you go. The gospel is not earned, but learned. You know what, Scott? I'm pretty sure you just said the exact same thing as the first set of fill-ins, just in different terms. 
brilliant. It's another way to look at it. Gospel is not earned. Jesus went to the cross and He died. He said, it is finished. Completed. There's nothing more we add to the Gospel, but we can learn the Gospel. How do we learn that? Man, that's a great question, Scott. I wish I had a really good answer for that. Let's go through obedience. Let's go with obedience. Right? Verse 16, right above it on your screen. But they have not all obeyed the Gospel. When you try it, when you do it, when you make an effort, is your success at your effort what matters? Reference first fill in. No. Will God reward your effort? Yeah. No, I've coached way too much soccer. And I'll keep this very simple. Players that keep running rather than standing around, good things happen. They keep running and, uh, and the ball pops out and there's, oh, look, there it is. I can keep going. The ones who stand still Sit still. Oh, what did we just do there? We just benched him. We just subbed him. Right? Most common phrase in soccer. I, I said this, I think, a year ago or something. I don't know. It was a, quite a while ago. Do you remember what it is? Sub, ref. <laughs> the most common phrase in soccer is sub, ref. Ooh, I don't like that. I want to be obedient to my God. I want to accomplish things. I want to get on that progression for myself and for others around me. And when I was playing and I heard my coach yell, Sub ref! A panic would go over my whole soul. I'd get goosebumps and I'd start shaking. My lip would quiver and I'd look over until Johnny was calling Stevie off the field rather than me. And what did that mean? I get to keep playing. Because apparently I was doing what the coach asked. And Stevie wasn't. Bummer for Steve. Sorry, I, I picked that name randomly, not because you were here. Okay. It was just, right? I mean, if you change your name to Scott, you'll enjoy the same things that Mr. Austin and I, because oh, except for when we rip on Scott's, which I tend to do that a lot too. Um, how can you obey? You know, uh, when we started this series, uh, week one, chapter one, Romans, you know, one of the feelings was you're ex you experience the power of God through obedience. Paul said that way back in the very beginning. Is he being consistent throughout his letter to the Romans? He absolutely is. Let me give you some ways that you can be obedient, right? It's a bunch of fill ins here. You got, you got nine blanks? Do you? Ready? Shotgun. Here we go. These are all straight from verse passage. Can you call on him? Can you be obedient to call on him? How often do you do that? Great question. Don't answer it out loud right now. Can you believe? Well, what if it doesn't make sense? That's why they call it faith, folks. How many stuff is confusing to you and you still believe it? You trust him for the things that make no sense. 
Have you ever said God would never do that? And then He does it? Those are scary. Um, could you hear? How does God speak to you? You know, there's a lot of voices out there. We talked about it at men's group Monday night on Doug's deck. 17 guys, lights hanging around, pizza, chicken wings, and Jesus. It was amazing. Talked about the idea that because you listened to a different voice and did not obey me when I told you, you shall not eat of the tree. We got to hear the voice, the right voice. God speak to you through prayer? Some. God speak to you through worship music? For some, it does. God speak to you through reading the Bible yourself? Oh, I could never do that, Scott. I know, wouldn't it be scary if he started to teach you something and get your attention? You might have to respond. God speak to you through serving? Giving, sacrifice, solitude, silence, fasting. Gee, Scott, that's a long list. Yes, we know you have many options when you fly, but you think, we thank you for flying with one of them. Pick something. Play Bible trivia games if that's your thing. I hate those games. I have a seminary degree and I get the answers wrong all the time. So, yeah, I don't know. For somebody that's wired different than me. Uh, how about this? Can you preach? <laughs> Breaking out in a sweat. I don't want to have to preach. I don't mean on stage on Sundays. I mean, some of you can. If you're interested in that, let's talk. Okay? I'll fight you for it. I don't mean that. Um, uh, but who do, you, who do you share the message of the good news of God with? Who do you invite to sit at your table and recognize that you pray before a meal? Who do you um, invite to church? Who do you um, invite their kids to camp? Who do you invite to a Mexico dinner with luscious tacos and have them see what our church is doing to be a greater community and serve? There's all these different ways that you could get the message out to other people. Right? So you could preach. You could be sent. What if you were sent somewhere? What? Like, Af do I have to go to Africa? No, you could go to the coffee nook and make coffee. Do you know we're struggling for coffee? And donut runs. There are many very important things that happen at this church. Donut runs is one of them. I've said, if we can't even do coffee and donuts... I'm going to stop coming. You'll need to find a new pastor. Gee, Scott, that's such a childish and immature thing to have the crux of your ministry sit on. No, actually, it's absolutely brilliant. If our church can't do even the little, smallest little thing, like serve a little bit and make water, have a little granular of some other thing that you can pour some dairy product in and eat a little sugar and fat because that was too much for everybody in the church to do, then I don't think we're listening. We can't even serve. 
Where could you serve? You know, serving needs to be fun. What? I thought it was work. Yes, but when it's fun, we don't call it work. We call it serving. Well, I don't like working with kids. Great! Leave that for the ones that love working with kids. Can I, can I just stack chairs? Oh, please, dear Lord, send us chair stackers. You know, we have a few that I know of. We've been overworking them. Now, they're saving a little money because they've been able to cancel their gym membership. But we need Do you like technical stuff like soundboards and all the things? I know nothing about the AV and the tech or the HV or the AC. I get them all mixed up, all those little acronym things. If you're into air conditioning or soundboards or computers, maybe you're good at a video camera. Maybe you're great at smiling at people and saying, welcome, here's a bulletin. Sit anywhere you want. The bathroom's over there. The coffee and donuts that someone was willing to do a tiny bit of work are right over there. You could greet people. You could help do communion prep once a month. You could help with landscaping with Katie. You could volunteer for a committee. You could come up with a ministry that has yet to exist. Oh, that would be awesome. You, you mean our church does that? Not yet, but it does now. Who's in charge? You are. Here's some money from our budget. Have at it. Now, understand, most ministry ideas, 90% of them are rejected. But once in a while, there's good ones. You could host a study at your house. You could just go and make meals for people. There's so many different ways. How about this? Outside of the church, there's a myriad more ways to serve go be a team manager on your kids sports team and be nice and smile and make sure that every email that you ever send out is positive and happy with zero criticisms i'm still waiting to meet that person go be an assistant coach go volunteer in the library there's so many different things you could do outside of the church we got to figure out how we're sent, though, because we're going to set an example wherever we go. How about understand? Could you understand? Apparently, that's a way to obey. You could understand by studying the Word. You could understand by studying it with other people. You could understand by asking questions about it or going back to school or cornering me on a Sunday morning, which is not cornering, by the way. I signed up for it. You could read it on your own. There's so many ways that you can understand it. Um, the best way of understanding God is doing something. Get active. You learned by trying. Or one of my only ways for learning, trial and error. Many trials and many errors. You could seek. How do you seek the Lord? How do you find out if God is in something? Oh, that's interesting. When you seek Him, how do you seek Him? When, like, when you want to get close to God, what works for you? I think it's different than hearing His voice. 
Paul must think so and Isaiah must think so because they put it that way and then God must have thought so because he had him write it down two different times in two different generations and made sure that it stayed till we saw it. Ask. Well, I feel guilty when I ask God for stuff because I, I don't feel like he should be just an ATM machine where I just plug in my card and can you just give me stuff? And plus I asked for a Lamborghini one time. It never worked. I... I, I moved it down to a Tesla, and I, st I, I haven't gotten a Tesla either, so I just feel like I shouldn't be asking God for stuff. Well, once you ask God for God's stuff, I mean, so we can get off the car thing, hey God, what do you want me to drive for now? And what do you want me to do? Like, where do you want me to drive? Once you get me driving what you want me to drive, more important, where do you want me to drive, and what do you want me to do when I get there? Can you give me that? I have friends who say their favorite prayer is, God, what do you have for me today? That's a cool ask. If you're having trouble, God, what do you want me to cut out? God, what am I missing that you want me to pay attention to? What I've, I believed was a core value, and actually it's faulty. God, forgive me. Is that an ask? I was wrong. I was bad. Fix me. I like that one. I use that one a lot. Fix me, God. I'm a mess. Last one. This one's this one I've stretched a little here. Remember it said I've been reaching out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people from that I got cooperate cooperate with him God I do not want to start a church God have you been paying attention every time I walked by the poster that talked about launching a church the Nehemiah project I laughed at it and mocked it for years in the seminary, drive, walking from upstairs to downstairs, I walked by the Nehemiah Project with the Southern Baptist Convention for starting churches, and I mocked it and laughed. What fool would do that? That's an exercise in pain and agony and dis... No. <laughs> That's what God was doing. Upstairs, he was like... <laughs> Oh, Scott, this is going to be so much fun. Oh, you're such a moron. You're such a fool, and I love you to death. For now, I just want you to take this class over here. Just take that class. Okay, I'll take the class. I need a couple more units, and it's one of those uh, one of the classes they, you meet every day. Intensive. It's an intensive one week, eight hours a day, and boom, you get a class done in a week, but then you got to write papers for a couple more weeks, you turn in a bunch of stuff. You know who showed up in that class during that one week? Linda Burquest. You met her on stage a few weeks back. You know who else came a different day? Jack Roberts. Folks, this is hilarious. These are the two key people who were instrumental in helping as partners and cooperated with us, there's our word again, in helping us start this church. And I said, no way. I'm never starting a church. And he put me in a class about church planting 
because it had the right number of units I needed to fulfill my electives so I could graduate on time. Then I meet Linda, and then I meet Jack, and now I've met you. And here we are. Cooperate. Why? Because God has an amazing sense of humor. He is extremely funny. Do I look like I'm suffering? Anyone? Really? Is it that confusing and you're not really sure? It's, gosh, man, there's like 50% chance. Is he suffering or is he enjoying himself? I don't know. I'll give you three guesses and the first two don't count. Am I enjoying myself? Yes. Did that come from my ideas and my activities and my capacity and my resources? Say no really loud. No. I cooperated and did a bunch of these things, and I've said every, the life of our church, 90% of what we've done has gone totally different than what I thought. The 10% that kind of went the way I wanted it or thought it would go, he did differently. I'm batting 0%. And having a great time. I never would have thought that they would have showed up at my door. Knock, knock. I heard you're starting a church. Can we join? Here's our first tithe. What? Probably wasn't supposed to share that last part, but sorry. Have some fun. I got a free invitation for you all today, just for fun. It'll be a little embarrassing for me. Love for you to come into my office after service. Just walk through. I got a frame on the wall. And sunk in that frame is a little $20 bill. See, now if some thief is going to listen to this online, they're going to break into the church, and they're going to steal the first $20, the first donation our church ever received. From Zach. College kid had no money, walked in and said, I got to do something. You will never have that experience if you don't obey. You will miss out on the fun, the excitement, the blessing, the mystery, the confusion, the clarity, all of it. So instead, make the call. Last villain, make the call. What, what call is that, Scott? What do I say during my call? Whatever you want. But those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Start figuring out how you do it. Don't do it my way. It will hurt you. I want to be the one and only me. You be the one and only you. Figure it out. You know, he wants to work with you. And, and here's the weird thing. And I said it earlier. He made you exactly the way you are so that he could do individual stuff with you. And make sure other people see it. How will they call if they have not believed? How will they believe if they have not heard? How will they if someone has not preached and how will someone preach if they have not been sent 
figure out where you are in that spectrum. Father God, thank you for the opportunity we have to be part of the game. You let us have a uniform and be on the team. And regardless of the position or role, pray, Lord, that you would show us, guide us, lead us, correct us, heal us, inspire us, God, to obedience and blessing. And may it infect the people that we know that are around us. If you're here and you've never, if you're online and you've never made a decision to follow God, to accept Him and say, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to go all in. Make that call today. Today, God, I choose you. I'm, I'm tired of my plan and my path. It's not working. Show me my steps and my path and help me follow you. God, show us who to help as a church. We thank you for the offerings that receive, Lord. And I pray that it inspires us to be a church of obedience. We thank you and pray this in your son's Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was that same Jesus that we just prayed to and just preached about and sang to earlier that we're about to sing to again. Did he show us obedience? At the highest level. He took the bread. His was not gluten-free. But this is. All of our stuff is gluten-free this morning. And he said, this is my body broken. They understood that in a different context because one of their uh, sacraments that they did. They understood the idea of breaking bread and what it meant and the whole thing. He said, no, nah, but this is going to be my body. I mean, they're going to break me. Did he know what was coming? He took the wine and he said, this is my blood shed for you. A new covenant. A new deal. Did he know he was going to get killed? Did he know he was going to get broken and he was going to get pierced and he was going to go to the cross? He knew. And he said, do this and remember. Do we remember him? Absolutely. What do we remember about him? His sacrifice. What about the sacrifice was important? Too many things for us to name this morning. One of them was his obedience to God the Father. As always, you talk to God about anything you want this morning as we participate in communion. But if you'd like a suggestion, maybe you ask the question, God, what do you want me to be obedient? And maybe it's to him for the first time. Maybe it's in a certain area of your life. Maybe it's in a relationship. You ask that question and then you listen for the voice of God to speak either now or over the course of the rest of the day. Or he might put you in a situation during the week. And you start to learn how he speaks to you. Amen. 
He took the bread and he broke it. He took the wine. He dipped it, the bread and the wine. Father God, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, for his obedience, your plan, that you include us and pray you, pray you would show us our role. How do we function within it? May you bless this as we participate together in honor of your son. Amen. May you know the function and blessing of obedience. Amen. Go with him.